there have been some studies done and the results of those are that the smartest people in the world are teenagers. The second smartest people in the world are college students. Unfortunately, um, these studies were done by teenagers and college students. So I'm not quite sure of their validity. But there was uh, a father who had a very extensive library, thousands of books. And uh, he sold them all for 50 cents a piece. All his friends said, what are you doing? These are valuable books that you've collected your entire life. And he said, well, I have one son going into high school and one son going to college. And they know everything, so I don't need any books. <laughs> well, on that topic of wisdom and foolishness, as we all know, sometimes we think we are very smart. And we end up being not quite that smart, but even worse, actually, not smart at all. Sometimes we work very hard all our life for something, perhaps possessions, perhaps a position, perhaps a certain kind of reputation. And then we receive it, we achieve it, and then we realize, what did I just do? I spent 40 years of my life doing that, and it's actually not that worth it. There are many stories like that. One that I heard very recently was Michael Phelps, who was one of the most impressive um, athlete uh, probably of all time. After he won, I forgot how many gold medals, I believe it was eight gold medals or some crazy number like that, he actually went into very severe depression, went into counseling and said, I've been working at this since I was seven or eight years old and this is it? This is it? That's all I get? And I don't blame him because all of us sometimes search for goals that are actually not goals in Christ. We search for wisdom, but that's the wisdom of the world. We search for comfort, that is also the comfort of the world. And at the end of many, many, many years, we find ourselves not getting the satisfaction or the happiness that we achieved. When you read the lives of the saints, you see this theme over and over again. You read the life of St. Augustine, who lived a life that was so far away from God in every single way, breaking all the commandments, being far away from his family, from his ethics, from his upbringing. But his mother, St. Monica, prayed for him throughout the whole time. And after he finally realized that all the things that he had wanted to achieve, intelligence, wealth, power, were all empty. But true power, true wealth, true intelligence was found through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is why the gospel is so important. The gospel, the word gospel means the good news. So you want the good news? Read the gospel. Don't, you don't need to spend 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years of your life. And you don't need a last-minute repentance at your deathbed to realize that you have wasted everything you have said and done throughout your whole life. Look for the wisdom that is found in the gospel. And that is what St. Paul and this gospel reading today focuses on today. That 
there is wisdom that people search for that is actually folly. And there is what people consider to be folly to be the greatest wisdom of all. St. Paul tells us in his letter to Corinthians, the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, the power of God. Now, all of us would most likely agree with this. But we need to slow down when we come to conclusions that we assume because we believe this because this is what we have been taught to believe. But we need to slow down in order to appreciate that not that the words of St. Paul are actually the ones that should be surprising. Why would the cross be a sign of glory and honor? The cross for the Romans was the sign of the greatest kind of humiliation and persecution humanly possible. In fact, the English word excruciating pain comes from the Latin words ex out of and crucis. That is the pain that is experienced out of the cross. In other words, there is no pain, no suffering, no humiliation that any a form of government or any um, torture ever contrived of that humiliated and, and persecuted and uh, made those who were experiencing it suffer in a way greater than the cross. And that is why, that was one of the reasons why Constantine, after he stopped persecu the persecution of Christians, stopped the, per stopped the use of crucifixion. One is because Christ was crucified on it, but because it was such a humiliating way of being killed. When somebody was killed, um, carry, carry, crucified, first of all, he had to carry his cross. Now, Christ was both scourged because Pilate was hoping to have him released, but then he was scourged and then, and then crucified. And that is why he needed someone to help him carry the cross. Because on his own, the weight of the cross after having been scourged and having already been humiliated and having suffered a kind of suffering that all of us would probably not even have, not even imagine, that in itself would have been bad enough. But Jesus faced the scourging, he faced the punishment of carrying the cross, and then finally he faced the suffering of the cross. Now, we should really slow down also a little more on this point. When somebody was crucified, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he didn't just, he wasn't just placed on the cross and then he died. Part of the suffering of the cross was that when somebody was placed on the cross, he still needed to breathe. He wasn't quite dead. So after being nailed to the cross, he needed to breathe. And the way he breathed was you, you lift up your lungs and lift up your legs. And that process itself being hung on a wood that, of course, was not sanded and well taken care of. That was painful enough with the nails ripping into the hands and the body rubbing against uh, a piece of wood. Out in the open was in itself a form of punishment. And in fact, those who were crucified died by asphyxiation. In other words, they could not, were no longer even able to breathe. It was a slow and torturous death. Therefore, for St. Paul to say 
the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God, should at first strike us as being a little odd, because it should be the opposite. The cross should be folly, and wisdom should be to avoid the cross. But that is why today we don't just celebrate the cross, the feast of the cross. All of us have nice crosses at home. A beautiful cross. If you try to count do this exercise with some uh, Sunday school children, count the amount of crosses. In fact, I couldn't even count the amount of crosses in a church. If you count the amount of crosses on here. We have very nice crosses. All of them are fairly clean. But that was not the cross. The cross was a form of torture, was a form of humiliation. So how is it that we glory in the cross? This was St. Paul or St. Paul's words, who persecuted the Christians and thought that Christianity needed to be wiped out because it was folly, but at the end not only grasped on to the faith of Christ, but also began to proclaim the wisdom of the cross. Very simply, Christ did not need to come down to earth. He chose of his own free will to come to be our friends, to renew that friendship that God created at the beginning of time. But when we separated ourselves from God, God could not see us separate from Him. He entered into humanity. He entered into His fallen creation. He didn't enter into His glorified creation. He entered into His broken creation. And that's why St. Paul says he became like us in all things except for sin. He entered that weakness, and by entering into that weakness, by entering our humanity, he was able to do what no other human was able to do. He was able to not only enter death, which is what everybody does, we all die, we call that an entry into death, but the power of God, the power of the cross, the power of Christ's cross, was that he was able to enter into death in order to destroy death. When we enter into death, death destroys us. Life destroys us. We get into an accident, life destroys us. When our heart stops to beat, life destroys us. But Christ entered into death in order to destroy death. That's the power of the cross. In other words... When we look at the cross, and when criminals looked at the cross, they saw punishment, humiliation, they saw abandonment. But when Christ looked at the cross, he saw the victory. He knew the pain of the cross, but he also knew that he was going to destroy the uh, suffering of death that all of, us, um, all of us face, both in this life and as especially at the end of our life. That is why it's very important for us to immerse ourselves with the Bible. It's very important to immerse ourselves with the good news. And today, you know, all of, most of you, actually all of you, for the most, not, not most of you, some younger ones here, and including myself, it's kind of crazy now, this phase in my life where I'm beginning to say, you know, when I was young, and, and it refers to a very long time ago, uh, there were only like five or six channels, right? And I remember some TVs we had, the antenna, you know, I don't want to say how old I am. It's okay, I'm actually almost 50. That's fine. But that's not a problem. But that we had very limited choices, a few channels. Today, hundreds and thousands of channels. And unfortunately, some people have Netflix. They have Disney Plus. They have Hulu. They have YouTube. They have everything. 
but there's absolutely nothing worth watching on TV. We have all these choices with nothing valuable for our soul. Things that may be entertaining. We are looking for wisdom in channel after channel after channel after channel after channel. And there are even terms that are being used now. Binge watching, where people spend hours or entire weekend in front of a TV catching up on the useless programs that they missed. <laughs> where is the wisdom in all those things that we're watching? Of course, it's good to entertain ourselves once in a while. But how much time do we spend immersing ourselves with the wisdom of God? How much time do we spend... Uh, focusing on the wisdom of St. Paul that he passed on to the early church and to all of us today. Because when we do that, we begin to see that these powers around us that are giving us a lot of choices are actually leading us astray. Why are they giving us a lot of choices? So that we can purchase something and they can empty our pocketbook. It's quite interesting how today we are in the longest and perhaps largest crisis that all of human history has experienced. But yet, Amazon is doing better than it has ever done. Because people have money to spend on Amazon. Home Depot is doing better than it ever has done. We are not really accustomed to suffering in the true sense of suffering, because we subvert that suffering by filling our lives with greater and greater comfort. Imagine if we were truly in a time of crisis where all the electricity was cut off. And then we would have a time, an opportunity to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We would have an opportunity to immerse ourselves in time with our family, a time to listen to each other, a time to listen to each other's needs. There has never been a time, I believe, greater than this time where the wisdom of the world is placed before us and the folly of the world. Unfortunately, we often reverse these through social media, through television, through all sorts of things that are going on out there that don't reflect the wisdom of God. Let us immerse ourselves in the Word of God continually, daily, and place the Word of God as a very clear frame for everything we say, everything we look at, every interaction that we have. Because all those things look like folly to those who are in the world. When we are patient, that's folly. When we don't strive to be richer than the person next to us, that's folly. When we don't strive to be more popular than everyone else, that's seen to be folly. But the true folly is working for all those things all your life, and realizing that there is absolutely nothing in them. We can circumvent that long 40, 50 year wasting of our time by opening up the Gospels and finding true wisdom. True wisdom in the cross. True wisdom in the humility of Jesus who created the heavens and the earth but yet humbled himself to be with us. He humbled himself to experience all the stages of our life. And that in itself was folly. Why would God experience our world? But he did. Why would God come, become flesh and then accept to die on the cross? But he did. But he turned the folly of the world into God's wisdom. So next time you look at the cross, look at the cross very carefully. 
And although the cross is clean, there is no blood on it, know that when Christ was crucified on this cross, it was full of blood. We have gold crosses, we have silver crosses, we have polished crosses. But know that Christ's cross was none of those. It was a rough cross in which Jesus died just trying to breathe on the cross. And look a little further down, especially in our Byzantine church, we have a special bar on the bottom. And this bar is not straight in some cases, it's crooked. To remind us that Jesus did not just hang on the cross. When they placed him on the cross, they put the, cross, the bar straight. But because of his suffering, because of his constantly constant weight on the bar, the bar tipped. The bar tilted. The bar showed signs of movement. The bar showed signs of pain and suffering and the punishment that he experienced. That is that folly or is that wisdom? Our church teaches us and our faith teaches us that that is true wisdom. And it reminds us that there are two ways to life. Ways of the folly of the world or the ways of the wisdom of God. And right at the cross, right when Jesus was crucified, he experienced the two ways, with the thief on the right and the thief on the left. In our prayer books, the Orologion, the prayer that we read, um, the hours of, of prayer, there's a beautiful prayer, your cross, in between the two thieves, became a balance of justice. For one fell down into hell through the weight of blasphemy, while the other was lifted out of his sins up to the knowledge of things divine. O Christ God, glory to you. And so in our Eastern Catholic Melkite uh, tradition, of the, this right side represents or is a reminder of the thief that was on the right, who after professing Christ was welcomed in, with him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Whereas the one who renounced him was went in a completely different direction. Which is the side of wisdom? Which is the side of folly? If we read the Gospels, the answer is very easy. But if we continue to search for wisdom and folly of this world, we will be taken one day in this direction and one day in the other, and then the next day in the exact opposite direction. This is why today we call this feast the exaltation of the holy and life-giving cross. It's not just celebration of a cross. It's the celebration of the reversal of the wisdom of this world that is actual folly and what seems to be the folly of the gospel to be true wisdom. That's the invitation that Christ invites us to share, to embrace the cross, embrace the suffering of the cross, embrace the truth that our faith proclaims in order to discover true wisdom in him.